0: Your tongue determines your direction. Your tongue is leading you in the wrong direction, to the wrong destination.
1: Welcome to the ACC podcast. We're honored that you took some time out of your day to listen to one of our weekly messages. We hope that these messages bring you closer to Jesus, strengthen your faith, and deepen your understanding about the Bible. If you're thinking of attending ACC, we're currently holding one service at 10 a.m on sunday mornings you can visit our website for more information that's anacorteschristian.church that's a-n-a-c-o-r-t-e-s christian.church you can also visit our website if you have any questions about acc like our core beliefs where we are located or if you'd like to get in contact with us we would love to hear from you so whether you're sitting, driving, or exercising, thanks for tuning in. Let's dive into the Bible together.
0: We've had warning shots throughout the book of James around the tongue. James 1.19, he mentioned, you know, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And then in verse 26, he said, If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, his reli- oh But deceives his heart. His religion is worthless. But now in James chapter 3, he gives his full focus to the topic of the tongue. I'm curious if any of you have the um, ability that God did not give me to roll your tongue. Does anybody have that? Can you raise your hand? Maybe you can do it for me real quick. Can, Can anybody roll your tongue? Keep your hand. Be proud of it. I can't do that. If I could do that, I'd be proud. I've always thought, this comes out big and solid, all right? Or uh, there is one thing, and I was hoping, yeah, there is one thing that God gave me the ability to do, and I'm really curious if anybody else can do this with my tongue. I'm really proud of this. This is how I call my kids and my dog. It's like this. I'm curious, does anybody else have that ability in here? I know, I know there's, there's that, but then some of you, God has gifted with the rare ability To use your, and I saw some hands, and I'll look forward to a a demonstration of that maybe later, um, at the end of it, because I'm really curious to know. Because my older brother had this skill, and I have this skill. Aaron, who's not here today, he did God did not God skipped over him, to give me that skill. He did give that skill to Colin, his son, though, and Colin can actually probably rival me in uh, his. We've had competitions. All right, so we're talking about the tongue today, if you didn't know. We're going to get into James chapter 3. I want to read it all right now, and then we'll go back through it here in a moment. So you feel free to turn to James chapter 3, 1 through 12. Of course, it should be on the screen as well. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Of course, he's not talking about children's volunteers, you know, um, Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Has anyone ever gotten in big trouble because of your tongue? Yeah, raise those hands. I've told the story before. But I remember in sixth grade, sitting there listening to, back then we had D.A.R.E. came in to talk. Uh, Maybe you guys would remember that if you were in the 90s. Uh, come into talking about you know staying away from drugs and the dangers of it. And there was an officer that came in to the school and he was sharing, you know, sharing his story, sharing about it. And I remember he made some comment about maybe eating a little bit more and exercising not very much. And at that moment, I happened to lean over to my friend and whisper something about how I agreed with him based on the shape of his body. I didn't say that to the guy, but I kind of made one of those comments. And somehow that guy, maybe as a police officer, was probably pretty good at reading people kind of asked me, stopped the class, and he said, so what did you just say? <laughs> I, I didn't know that I was going to have to report to him w- what, I ha- what I had just shared. In and he asked me to stay after class because he wanted to talk to me. I was in trouble with the law because of my tongue. How many of you can relate to to being in trouble because of your tongue. The topic of our day-to-day, again, verses one, two, I want to go back now and kind of walk through it as we let it wash over us. Let the word of God wash over us. It started out, now many of you should become teachers, my brothers. Earlier in the summer, we had a challenge for people to memorize James, and I kind of mentioned this, one of my sons, he, he memorized you know that verse right there, and he's like, I'm not going to become a teacher. That's kind of what he got out of this. There's a lot more that's there. We're not going to fully unpack it. I'll I'll, I'll kind of address it a bit later. But not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Able also to bridle his whole body. As many of you know, if you've been here or been following along at home or maybe later in the week, we've been in the book of James. And if you were here last week or if you listened last week, we wrestled with this balance between faith and works. Mike was here to give us that message. If you didn't hear it, I'd highly recommend you check it out. But the question could maybe arise, is James saying through true faith, that though true faith leads to, or that it leads to perfect people who do not stumble in any way? Is that the picture that James is pointing when it comes to faith without works is dead? Therefore, we need to, and the question is obviously answered right here. He says, no. He says, we, we would, could count it all joy. We could face trials of many kind. Why? Because the testing of our faith produces pers- Perseverance. This perseverance must finish its work so that we can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is the picture of the book of James, but James has already said it in our verse. He says, for we all stumble in many ways. We could easily sit right here and have a long conversation. If this was table Sunday, like it will be next week when Tyler will be here for the next message, we could sit and talk about stumbling But parents, can I get an amen to we all stumble in many ways? Our kids, our kids are downstairs. I don't know. Maybe we can give an amen on behalf of our kids. We stumble in many ways. You know, moms, husbands, I stumble in many ways. And throughout the book of James, we've been wrestling with this question. What difference does the gospel make in my own life? Or maybe if you're on the outside looking in, what difference could it make if I allowed it to? And of course the answer, and even from the book of James, is it makes all the difference in the world. Several weeks ago we read Rome, or James 1, 21, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. What word is that? The implanted word which is able to save your souls. The logos. John 1, 1, right? The word, the word who was with God, who was God. This word came and gave life. The only word which is able to save your souls. Who was this word? It was Jesus. Jesus. I notice my kids now at times, they're kind of afraid to say that because that's the answer to every question when we ask it in the gospel. Yes, the word was Jesus, the word put on flesh and came among us, this implanted word which is able to save your souls. It's a gift that changes everything. But it, James says in the very next breath, what, does, what is this word? What are we to do with it? Like last week, if you we were here, are we to, what are we to do with this incredible gift, this Ferrari? Are we to just leave it and park it in the garage? Maybe only pull it out on the weekends? No, you drive it. The gift was given so that we could be doers of the word, not hearers only. A doer, the word means a maker, a producer, an author. Take this gift of God's grace and mercy, pour it out on the cross and use it to fulfill the command that God gave us in the beginning to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it. That would be my recap of our sermon series so far throughout the book of James. James is telling us to, in, to look at this amazing word that's been planted within us, within us, but to be doers of it, to pull the Ferrari out of the garage and drive it. I thought about buying Mike a Ferrari this week. Just, just so we could all see him driving around and be like, yes, I need to do that too. Faith, all right, if you were here last, you missed it if you don't know what I'm talking about. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have enough money. (laughs) But to be doers of the word. But today, James is going to lead us to think about how that implanted word that saves us applies to our own words or to our own logos. As he already said in, in chapter two, he said, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, and actually if you look at it, if he doesn't stumble in his words, in his own logos, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. So he's gonna invite us to investigate our, our words, our tongues Pulling the Ferrari out of the garage is much more than a joyride in an awesome car. It causes us to look into our lives, to find areas of our life that don't measure up to the gift that we've been given. It is a lifelong process, but the goal of the gift is to cause us to mature and grow, to, complete, to a complete picture that God had in mind for us. And today he wants us to look at it through the lens of our tongue. Before we move on to it, you know, we may ask the question, which I kind of asked throughout the week: What about this teacher part? It said in the beginning, "Not many of you should desire to be teachers." What was it talking about? And this is actually James does, and there are certain parts I'm sure I don't fully understand because what he'll do is he'll give a nugget, and then he'll the next time he'll do a nugget, and actually, if you look at it, they're related in a way because in this chapter, and we're going to find out more next week. He talks about teachers here, and then later on, he'll talk about those who desire to be wise or those who are wise among you and what it looks like. But throughout it all, he warns us to do it with humility, to speak with humility, to be aware, because we all stumble. He says, don't aspire to be a teacher. That is a role to be called into and held in a very humble position in your heart, recognizing my ability and all of our ability to fall and lead others astray. He's not saying we don't want any teachers. I believe the message of the book of James is he's, he's holding out this hope of God has this picture of what he wants for all of us. It's the one that we've referred to already in James chapter one, verse two, this perfect, mature, complete picture. And he's telling us though to recognize with humility, don't desire to stand up here on the stage or to to write or to teach or to do, to hold it with humility, recognizing our normal tendency to stumble. I faced this uh, a few weeks ago. I remember driving to church, you know, and I think I was driving to church with my family and coming in the morning and, you know, there's just different habits and things you do on the morning and so sometimes there's people in front of me that I'm not as patient with, right? And, or maybe I, on this particular day, I pulled out in front of somebody, you know, I, in my mind it wasn't very close, but my wife mentioned it may have been a little close and then I looked and realized, oh no, they're driving to the same place that I'm driving to. <laughs> it makes you think, a little bit about what you're doing. This charge to humble leadership continues in verse 13, speaking to those who are wise and understanding among you. But James introduces a topic that is not just applicable to teachers and leaders in the body of Christ. It's applicable to all of us. But you better be doubly sure it's highlighted for anyone who ever has or ever will be in a leadership position in his church. If you're taking notes, I invite you to write down this, the first point. The tongue determines the direction of your life. I'm going to get my Southern Baptist alliteration going on or whatever it is. The tongue determines the direction of your life. We'll have some Ds in all of our points here. Consider that idea for a moment. The tongue determines the direction of your life. Verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses, So that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. It determines the direction. Every time I get into the car these days, and it gets worse the older I get, I have to remind myself where I'm going because I quickly go into autopilot, and I just start driving. I don't know if anybody else has this problem. You know, and I just start driving, and I, I, we live out on Highway 20, so I have to get on Highway 20, and I start driving, and, and normally in my workday, I'm either taking, you know, a left or a right at the roundabout, depending on which way I'm going, but more often than not, I don't even realize where I am until like eight minutes into the drive. And all of a sudden I look up, you know, and which is is fine if I'm not in a hurry, but that never happens, right? Uh, And especially if I'm taking my son to football practice and I've missed a turn and he gets concerned, I'm going to be late. The direction of my life. And I have to, every time I get in the car now, I have to verbally say out loud, Mark, you're driving to the church. (laughs) All right. And then a few minutes later, I have to remind myself of what I've said. The book of James is continually pointing to a destination, this mature and complete picture, not lacking anything of what God holds out for us. Now he's pointing to our tongues and saying, like rudders, like bits in the mouths of mighty horses, your tongue is steering you. And obviously we have to ask ourselves the question, honestly, where is my tongue guiding me? What direction is it leading me? Think about that for a moment. Where is my tongue guiding me? What direction is it leading me? See, I can ask you or any one of us or somebody could ask me the question, are you a Christian? You know, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? And if you're y- your answer is yes, yet your speech is filled with anger, lies, sarcasm, harshness, and gossip, then you are most definitely leaving the Ferrari in the garage. Your tongue is leading you in the wrong direction, to the wrong destination. Some may say, what? I thought I was saved by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You were. That is the Ferrari. Sorry if I'm overusing Ferrari here. It just keeps coming. That is the Ferrari that you were freely given. But if you then take that gift and drive off a cliff, or into a crowd of people, or if you drive over your wife and children or your husband, you are headed in the the wrong direction. Your tongue determines your direction. I encourage you to ask yourself the question, what direction is my tongue leading me into, guiding me to? Where is your tongue directing you? Not only does your tongue determine the direction of your life, The second point would be, your tongue has the potential for dealing out devastation. There you go. See, we got the D's going. Your tongue has the the potential, has the potential for dealing out devastation. Verse 5 of of James chapter 3. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Those are strong words. I want you to think about it for a second. What do we do with things that have the ability to create devastation? What are some things that come to mind that you can somewhat appropriately share here. I I have some things in my mind. I'm curious. What are some things that we have in our society that can cause devastation? Fire. Fire. Yeah, the imagery that's here for sure. You know, I thought there's all sorts of things probably. I'm not thinking about but On just a level, I'm thinking about guns. I'm thinking about bombs, nuclear bombs, whatever. What do we do when something is capable of great devastation? Obviously, there's a lot... Of different things we do depending on you know who it is and where it is I mean there's countries that we're trying to keep from certain levels of things that we have and you know but we treat it with great amount of awe and respect we set up safeguards around it we educate about it you know part of of getting older is you you have access to certain things like matches right that you didn't when you were a kid when you're a kid there's no reason that you should have matches now there's times where you need a match but we want to educate and treat those things with a great deal of respect. I remember one time getting invited by my boss. My wife and I got invited to, a, to dinner, and we thought it was just a free dinner. Uh, you know, or we just thought, hey, my wife, or no, my boss invited us to dinner at the farmhouse. And so we went to dinner. Uh, we found out about 20 minutes in, it was actually a fire company presentation. You know, and my boss was, I, I don't know, wasn't didn't like me very much or something like that but I just remember we sat through this great dinner and then the sales pitch came and it was amazing you know the pressure that we all felt to sign up for a certain package causing hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars but why was it there because they could really zero in on our we recognize fire is incredibly dangerous Right, and they showed us all these different things, you know, batteries, you put it in the, in the trash and it can light a fire or wires in your wall and, and all these things. And by the end of it, everybody except for us signed up for this fire whatever program, you know. And, and because fire is dangerous, we treat it with respect. We have smoke alarms. Does anybody else have a smoke alarm in their house? Why is it there? Hopefully, I only saw one person. I'm a little concerned, but we'll leave that to the fire department. Um, why is it there? It's a warning, right? We create these safeguards around it. And, every, and then every once in a while, we're supposed to beep. test it out, right? To check that it's working because has ever anybody ever had one? Or maybe you've done what I've done in the middle of the night before, back before they were hardwired in where you, you, know, you hear that beep and you can't find it. So you pull all the batteries out and you go back to bed, right? That's dangerous. Why is it dangerous? Because fire is dangerous. The smoke alarm is there. We, we set up these safeguards to help us realize the danger and to protect us. But how often have we recognized the tongue is as dangerous as the fire? Many of us, maybe all of us, need to develop a smoke alarm for our tongue. Not only does the tongue determine your destination and have the potential for dealing out devastation, as we read into verse 7, the tongue defies domestication. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. We probably won't have, don't really have time or it's in here to really dwell on that last statement. My brothers, things ought not to be so. Sometimes we are, can get so attuned to either the way we speak or the ways others speak, that we don't maybe have the shock that James shows us here, how we can you know, sing a worship song in one breath, walk out the door, or maybe in the next moment, we can do exactly what James has said. Has anyone in here ever had one of those slips of the tongue? Something came out that you weren't planning on And you are shocked and maybe embarrassed by. And a lot of the times what we will say or someone will say is, wow, what? I don't know where that came from. Have you ever said that? You don't have to raise your hand. I don't know where that came from. Matthew 12, 33, Jesus tells us, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, he's talking to the Pharisees, to the teachers of the law, those who thought they were holy and righteous, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I once had a boy on a soccer team. Uh, He was a great soccer player, and one game I found out at the end of the game um, that he had been saying some things to the other team to express that he was upset at them for getting in his way when he was trying to score a goal. You know, so I found out about it later. And and so we had to go through and, and and I talked to the parents about it, you know, and, and then after kind of Thinking through it a little bit, uh, the next week in practice, I talked to him about it because I was just wanting him to know that we play the game with respect and honor both for your team, for the other team, and this is, this is not okay. And so my wife helped me come up with, you know, at first, this was a, uh, this was a good player and somebody I, I you know, I was kind of coming up with a discipline about something in practice. Maybe he was going to have to run, maybe do stuff. And I realized, and my wife helped me see, no, the best discipline was going to have to be at the next game. He was going to have to sit out. For a bit of the game because i knew he loved soccer you know and and that was kind of hard for me to do but we talked about it we did it and so that next game you know he had to set out for for the first uh, 10 minutes of the game because we had talked about how we play the game with honor and and we can't speak to people that way and so right before i put him in i just said all right hey you know tell me what did you learn and uh he he looked at me and he's like well i learned and i think he had talked to maybe his pastor and some others and and it was a really precious thing. He said, the next time, I should keep all those things in my head. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's probably really honest. I really appreciated that. The message of James, though, the message of the gospel, is not just put a rein on your tongue, bite your tongue, do whatever. Now, that may be an initial thing that all of us need to learn to do. But the message that James is getting to and the reason for pointing out the deadliness and the danger and how we need to recognize the direction that our tongue is taking us is something far greater than just put a bridle on it, just clamp down on it. There's something more going on. And that's the question, okay, so what do we do? What do we do? James 3, verse 11. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Has anybody else ever said, that's just the way I am? Maybe you said it with sadness. You know, like, that's just the way I am. Maybe you said it with a level of resignation. Just the way I am. Maybe some of you said it with defiance. That's just the way I am. You better deal with it. You better get used to it. I say things like they are. I'm blunt. Maybe I'm a pushover. I'm fill in the blank. You fill in your blank. What defines you often? I'm a salt pond. Don't expect any fresh water from me. So what do we do? The message of the Bible is to turn to the only perfect man. At the beginning of our verse shared it. This perfect man, the word, the logos, the only one who does not stumble in his words. He invites us to receive the implanted word and then to allow it to flow through us and change the salt water into fresh water. To change the that's just the way I am into a brand new creation. Mature and complete, not lacking anything. The purpose of the gospel message isn't just to leave us the way that we are. It's to transform us as the work of Christ done on the cross transforms our hearts. The salt water in our hearts into his fresh water. Nothing that we could ever do or deserve on our own. But it's the goal of the gospel. And if you're sitting there thinking, but I've tried for so long, but I can't change. Because many of us thought it was supposed to be instantaneous. But James has let us know that God's not in a hurry. Those trials, those temptations that are creating and growing and slowly, maybe it's like, you know, one step forward and 12 steps back at times, but God is calling us to continually by his mercy to stand up and to keep moving closer and closer to him. Not saying that's just the way that I am. He isn't going to throw up his hands and give up on us like many of our earthly fathers have done. Like I find myself tending to do when I get frustrated that my kids aren't picking up something as quickly as I think they should. My impatience sadly so quickly comes and I throw up my hands. Our heavenly father isn't like that when he looks at us. He doesn't sit up there and say, look what I've done for you. How could you speak that way? Yet he gently guides us And shows us that our tongue determines the direction of our life. It yields devastation. It can't be domesticated. But he's calling us to turn to the only logos, the only true word that can offer us to be changed from the inside out. He is patient and gentle, loving and kind. And he's holding out the invitation to us to join him to enter into his salvation and allow him to remake us from the inside out. Romans 7, 724. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That invitation stands today. It stands for those who have never responded to it they've never even thought about what direction their tongue is leading them into they've never thought about the devastation that they've caused by ignoring it the invitation is there he's saying come to me join me That invitation is available to all of us who have responded. Maybe we've responded again and again and again and yet we still find ourselves or maybe just through ignorance or through not even thinking or to being life feeling out of control or being too crazy and too busy. We've really thought, haven't thought a thing about what direction our tongue is leading us into. James doesn't give us rules about what we can or cannot say as Christians. I mean, that's kind of what I grew up. A good Christian was somebody, and I had a whole list of things. Here's what a good Christian can do. But ultimately, he doesn't give us a test we can take to see if our tongue is good and bad. Instead, he points out the incredible power of the tongue. Teachers, leaders, parents, bosses, pay special attention to your words this week. And I know these words come in all of different forms, shapes, and sizes. Sarcasm, lies, pride, anger, harsh words. Maybe it's not even words at all. Maybe your word, your, your tongue, it comes through silence. I invite you to keep a journal of your words this week. Not every word you say, but investigate this qu- this question. What direction, what destination are my words, my tongue leading me to this week? if they're defined by sarcasm or lies or silence or pride or anger or harshness take them to the lord the only one who and allow him to to put his yoke upon you and to say, Lord, show me how to say, and once I, you know, maybe some of you need to get up from this moment or maybe lean over at the end of it and repair some damage from those words. I know it's not easy. It's complicated. My prayer is for a whole church full of leaders and teachers. Not because we want to show off to the world, but because we are keenly aware of our ability to stumble and fall flat on our face. But we are humbly desiring to allow the implanted word to flow through us and to change us into God's people. Mature and complete, not lacking anything. Or as Brian has said at the end of every video, if you've hopefully been following along in your small, in your small group, to develop a heart like his. Let me pray. Father, this morning as we look at the topic of our tongue. I pray that you would remove our blinders, Father, and that we wouldn't just look at other people's words, but that we could truly stop and to hear our own. Or that we could really start to see the direction that our words are steering our life, Father. Maybe you would open our eyes and remove the blinders and the logs and everything that keep us from seeing the devastation, Father, that our words have caused, Maybe those words are words that we speak to ourselves every day, Father. Maybe words that have been there since we were kids that you want to overcome and redefine and renew with your words this morning. Father, maybe they're words that we've spoken or haven't spoken to our husband or wife or our children or a parent. Father, would you make this church a group of people, Father, uh, who humbly lead recognizing their tendency to fall, but who are falling at your feet, allowing you to change the salt water into your fresh water, Father, to take your yoke upon us so that we can be doers of the word. Lord, show us what we need to see this week, and may you pour out blessings on the world through the words that we speak. It's in Jesus' name
1: I pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ or have questions about having a relationship with Jesus, we would love to hear from you. Call us at 360-293-3729 or visit our website anytime. Have a great week. And remember you are loved by us and by Jesus.